All right, welcome to Spirits and Chat with John and Matt. I'm Matt Pullman. And I'm Jonathan Emerson. And this is the podcast where we make a drink, we talk with a friend, or amongst ourselves if we have alienated society that week, <laughs> and then we geek out over something in the nerdrum stratosphere. Something and, awesome. And this week we are making... Margarita. Margarita, yeah. Yes. Sing it, Jimmy. All right, that's enough. How do I turn this off? <laughs> can you even can you even have a podcast about a margarita without having some Jimmy Buffett in the back? I know. I was just thinking, is there any song that has been written that has the word margarita in it? And luckily, YouTube, when I Googled it, the first thing that came up was like, oh, yeah, of course. Right. right. Yeah. And if you ever go to uh, a Margaritaville, a... Uh, hotel chain uh like everywhere um you will hear this song on loop <laughs> yeah so last year john and i we went to margaritaville in fort lauderdale for the weekend and it was fine <laughs> it was it was delightfully fine. it was delightfully trashy yeah i wasn't go gonna go that far but it 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 was <laughs> it was what you would expect um drunk baby boomer parrot heads on a three-star resort in Florida would be. <laughs> it was, um, it was, uh, how do I put this? It was not Miami. Uh, <laughs> this is a podcast where we trash on hotel chains. <laughs> anyway, so let's get into it. Let's yeah, get so right away. Let's, uh, let's dive right in. Uh, uh, dive right into the margarita. So uh, the margarita that we're making today is the classic margarita uh, with delicious uh, Jose Cuervo silver. Uh, silver. I'll be the judge of that. So. <laughs> uh, the uh, silver tequila is recommended for the drink just because the uh, gold tequilas, unless you're actually working with uh, a true agave, uh, might have some additional uh, sweeteners uh, in that. So uh, recipe time. So uh, you want two lime wedges for garnish, uh, one-fourth. Uh, you, you want some kosher salt <laughs> for, for uh, rimming the glass. Uh, four ounces of tequila, uh, two ounces of triple sec, one and a half ounces fresh, fresh blah, blah, excuse me, freshly squeezed lime juice, um, and beyond that, the drink is uh, very, very simple. Uh, so you're uh, rimming the glass, so to speak, uh, using the lime wedge. Uh, you are using salt and/or a fun mixture of salt uh, and sugar or whatever you like. Uh, some people like to add a little bit of uh, pepper or not pepper, excuse me, uh, uh, pep red pepper flakes and the, and the like for a little bit of spice. Uh, and then you shake it all up. So Can I just say I deserve a medal because you have used a sexual innuendo twice <laughs> and I have sat here like a gentleman I and I kept my mouth shut. But I, let's go on. I don't I don't want to go. I literally thought you were gonna yeah. Okay, we don't need to say okay, just go on. Pour the drink. I'm I'm proud of me. I'm using the shaking to, to shut us you up. You are. Like, you, just, you can use just your hand. You don't have to shake her like entire a, body. This is like a shake weight. Okay. And this is my, uh, also my, this is not the penguin for our avid listeners that watch us shake Oh, legs. yeah. We got a new we bar kit. We got a new bar kit. That's how much we podcast. love you, the listeners. <laughs> even on an audio medium, we want the visuals to be authentic. Well, we will take a picture. So you'll, you'll get to okay, see it. Okay. I'm about ready to take my picture now. All right. I'm going to just put a little of that in there. This one actually kind of looks like I made it right. Uh, yeah. Because all your rest sucked. No, hey. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, this is pretty okay. good. And we actually good. have margarita glasses, so like we're really batting we a thousand on this one. Uh, yeah, sure, you can leave the shaker. Why not? Yeah. Okay, there's the photo for the social media <laughs> and the Facebooks and the MySpace. And now we, and and now we try it. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. That's good. I did yeah. it right. It tastes yeah, it like it tastes like how a margarita what, should be. What we would get at the bar. And mm -hmm. uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Matt and I over the years have had uh, a lot of different cocktail preferences. Margarita is probably the newest. Yeah, that's uh, fad. So let's get into our personal history <laughs> with the margarita. Margarita. Yeah, we'll, we'll explain why we're talking with Australian accent when we talk about margarita, <laughs> but. So I think this drink was just something that I always had when I was maybe at your TGI Fridays or your Applebee's 
or your chain restaurant du jour, what have you, it's always in a big glass and it's always on special and there's always <laughs> lots of eyes and it's always colorful and there's usually gummies in it. And that's fine. But what I learned recently is most of those kind of chain big family restaurants, when you order a margarita, are using the store-bought mixer, right. which is just sugar. It's just sugary, syrupy water and tequila. So it's a very, if you have it there, it's very sweet, very sugary, very high in calorie. And it's fine. It's a fun drink, but not something I would get every every time I go out. Uh, last year, we discovered a great new restaurant in New York called Viva Verde, mm, which is a wonderful yes. Mexican restaurant. And it's on they do 54th? 50, 50 no, 55th, 55th between yeah. 8th and 7th. What's really great is they do traditional margaritas, just like what you made, and mm-hmm. they, everything's fresh. You, they will squeeze the lime right in front of you, and there's all different varieties. They're spicy. There's Super fruity, kind of like us. Uh, <laughs> there's tamarind. There's tamarind. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they also use their own, they like fresh mezcal and and agave syrups and just all that stuff that we um, didn't invest uh, in. And they're great. And it's kind of and since. <laughs> Going there, it's kind of made the margarita my probably my favorite going out drink. Oh yeah, especially if you can get it homemade like they do. Um, so what I'm really saying is that Viva Verde needs to sponsor this podcast. I would agree. Yes, yeah, because somebody... all the fives of ones of people who might visit there. It's like, the, like the like the like th- the well, I'm borrowing from another podcast, but like the three drag queens and queens who listen to our show. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's from a, a actually what is that. Uh, that was from a podcast called Thank You for Being a Podcast, which is a Golden Girls podcast. But we'll talk more about the Golden Girls later. In segment hint, three. Hint. Yes. But also, margaritas are kind of hilarious to us because if you watch a show called Hotel Impossible. Uh, not Hotel Impossible. Ho- oh, uh, shit. No, it's. Uh, uh, I messed it uh, up. I'm going to edit this out, which actually I'm not going to because I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> this is hilarious. Um, Instant Hotel. Instant Hotel. Uh, yes. Hotel Impossible is good too. Hotel Impossible is good too. Matt was just doing an amazing Anthony Mercuria impression the other day. Give him a little, just just a little. No one knows <laughs> who that is. <laughs> okay, there's so many shows we're talking about. Let's 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 stay on track. So Instant Hotel is a show on Netflix that's from Australia, and it's a competition reality show where Airbnb hosts stay at each other Airbnbs, and then they give them all scores. So in season one. There's this really wonderfully trashy mother-daughter duo called Babe and Bondi. And named after the beach. Yeah, they're on Bondi Bondi Beach. Bondi Beach. Bondi Beach, okay. And their Airbnb is super, super tacky and trashy. And you walk in and there's actually... In case they're listening, in the most lovely No, it's great, but it's like very... There's (laughs) portraits of themselves hanging up and there's like portraits of like topless hunks and stuff and then part of their rules is that five o'clock every day a shirtless male model comes in and he makes margaritas for everyone and there's this other couple on the show and they're in their 60s and they're a little more old school and a little traditional and they're kind of white trash in their own lovable way (laughs) but the one guy with a long mullet and like the spiky hair like that 1980s from the barbarossa region yeah they had this great scene where he tries and he goes i don't care for the margarita so later, when they're scoring each other's, Babe and Bondi, they have to rate their guests. They rate them like a four. And their whole entire reason is, <laughs> you didn't have a margarita. They didn't follow the rules. It's in the rules. You had to have a margarita. To all our Australian friends, our accents are awful. So I was um, going to say just... awesome. <laughs> they are authentic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> so... Uh, to back to the margarita um what do you what do you what do you think uh taste profile wise the one um, that you mean t- yes <laughs> let's start with reviewing the one i made uh but as a as a whole uh, no i think it's good i, I think, like it and i also think there's a difference between whether you get it frozen or on the rocks i used to be a frozen gentleman and then you kept ordering yours on the rocks and i like it on the rocks for several reasons the frozen ones i feel like maybe are more sugary. Maybe mm-hmm. they're using like the mixture, especially oh, yes. the kinds that are pre-made, like in the cooler. It's kind of a slushy. In a machine, just, yeah, for hours. It's sugary. It makes me feel gross. I don't like it. And so the ones on the rocks are a little classier. You get to sip them. But, and this is the quote from Pam, season two of The Office, when she gets drunk at the Chili's. <laughs> He's like, the great thing about margaritas is all the ice melts. And then you have second drink, <laughs> which is like what I love about margaritas on the rocks is once the rocks melt, 
you got all that potent tequila just sitting there and it's like a two for one combo and yeah it's a it's a sipper by its very nature anyway and then as the ice melts and I do highly recommend it on the rocks. I have a very different reason for liking it this way. I get severe ice cream headaches when I try to drink like a daiquiri or anything that's truly blended like that. You know what? So. I run so warm internally. <laughs> um, I'm just a very hateful person. No, what I meant is that like I'm always I'm always warm. I'm always warm. So I would never have that problem. Uh, ice cream headache is is like a kiss from Jesus on the skull because I'm always <laughs> but, warm. But as for um, you know, half naked gentlemen uh, serving margaritas at five o'clock, I say sign me up. Uh, that no, their place is great. And what's I, great I about go. that show is there's another couple that's the contestants, and they're like an older upper middle class gay Australian. They're like couple. you and I in no, like they are ten some, years, and they're just very <laughs> snarky. They're very kind of bitchy. And they're like the arch enemies of Babe and Blonde. And they walk in to this house. And, and the one said something like, oh, it kind of reminds me of a Hollywood brothel. <laughs> that accent was terrible. And what did he say about putting lipstick on a pig or something? I... That's what he said. He said oh, it's like okay. putting lipstick on a pig, you know? It's... Yeah, but I was what also is... shocked. If we're going to geek out for a hot second about this show, and I do highly recommend. It's a Netflix thing. You'll love it. Um, Instant Hotel, it's the bomb. But um, when you actually get to these two gentlemen's home, they had been talking it up over hype, like hyping, hyping, hyping about the design and how he's a professional designer. And then you're like, ooh, you know, I... I kind of wanted to go back to Babe and Bondi's house. Yeah, those two guys, they kind of just like went to Pier 1 Imports and just said <laughs> yes to everything on the clearance rack. It Floral was, everything. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right. All so, right, everyone's problematic. <laughs> so uh, do we want to take a, a hot 60 seconds to do a 60-second mm-hmm. drink history? Yeah, I even have my stopwatch all queued up. I'm ready go. after ready. five episodes. Okay. <laughs> all right. On your mark, get set, go. Great. Uh, this one's actually quite fast uh, because... Da, da, da. It's in dispute as to who created it, just like every other drink we've done so far. But uh, it's, uh, purport- uh, purportedly in 1938, uh, Carlos Danny Herrera uh, in Tijuana uh, claims to have created the drink for a dancer uh, by the name of Marjorie King, hence the name Margarita. Uh, she said that she was allergic to every uh, spirit except tequila, but didn't want to do shooters. So uh, he... Added, he took a shot and basically created seconds. a drink out of it. That's the story. Now, uh, another uh, so associate associate with the name after well, Margarita Sames, uh, friends with uh, Tommy Hilton, uh, started claims to have created Nacapulco in nineteen. 19- 48, but she's obviously mistaken because Jose Cuervo had a recipe out for it in 1945. So uh, basically, nobody knows. Um, Almost every single story uh, has somebody by the name of Margarita, uh, Mar- and Marjorie, time. I'll let you and that's though. and that's and that's it. That is the delightful yeah. sixty-second history of the it. Margarita. You did it. So I printed out notes too. I print out too much. I always forget that I don't have to print out the bibliography, and that's just a waste in paper. But that's why I have my computer here. Well, great. I'm happy for you. Um, <laughs> It's kind of like every drink. Every drink is in dispute. I think it just means that before the interwebs, people yeah. were just making drinks in general and just calling them whatever the F they wanted to call them. Do you um, find that pretty much every drink we've done has evolved from something called the Daisy? That comes yeah, up in yeah, every no, this, single this the Cosmo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, yep. That's the very first paragraph in Wikipedia, <laughs> the, Daisy, uh, the America Drink the Daisy, which is, in this one, they use tequila instead of brandy. Yep. So. Yeah, um, what did I highlight? Um, Tommy Hilton uh, allegedly brought it to the Hilton Hotel chains. Um, it got me thinking. I don't know how I feel about Paris Hilton anymore. This is a tangent. Okay. We, we hated her 10 years ago. We mean like pop culture. And then she just kind of went away. So I think I'm, I'm – see, the thing is that like I think the society is so terrible right now and we're kind of on – on the brink of destruction, like with our presidents, and like yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of fine with people who are just dumb. There are definitely and that's just, bigger fish to fry, and that's just kind of who. That, like if you're just dumb, like I just you're fine. I and I take back every negative thing I ever said to Paris Hilton. Okay, well to you, okay, probably well, like no one to no me. One's listening, but like um, I'm just I, I, there's I, still the whole dog thing though. I mean the the yeah. yeah I mean we can still we can still kind of not, not love good. that right. So it's um, 
but, but I she will actually say, kinda, she has a job now. She's she's a DJ. <laughs> she is also like how can you talk about Paris Hilton without talking about uh, Repo, the musical with Anthony she was Anthony Stewart? Okay, in that and, yeah. yeah, she was herself and. How delightful! It's like it's like the the know thyself uh, from Shakespeare. If I can nerd out for a second, but she knew herself. And yeah, it good was... price. So you know what? We're we're pro Paris Hilton. <laughs> that's that's the point. But that's nothing to do with the string. I cannot um, believe I used a Shakespeare reference to describe Paris Hilton. I think I, you're the first. <laughs> I, somebody somebody Guinness that shit. That's... Okay. So what I highlighted was um, during that same time that Tommy Hilton was taking credit for it. Jose Cuervo was already running ad campaigns for the margarita three years earlier Mm -hmm. with the slogan, quote, Margarita, it's more than a girl's name. Which, like, way to, like, toe the binary. I know it's 1945, but it's kind of like, eh, gender's a construct, so screw that statement. Yeah. Um, Guys can like this drink, too. Just like the According to Jose Cuervo, the cocktail was invented in 1938 by a bartender in honor of Mexican showgirl Rita de la Rosa. Mm. Um, It is also another common origin tale begins the cocktail's history at the legendary Balanese Room in Galveston, Texas, where in 1948, head bartender Santos Cruz created the margarita for singer Peggy Lee. Mm. He supposedly named it after the Spanish version of her name, Margarita. Margarita. So Peggy's Margaret, Margaret's And then Rita, Rita Hayworth also has some history with this drink as well. I believe she mm. was uh, performing, uh, I want to say, in Mexico um, and, and uh, had the cocktail there too. So basically anyone whose name started with an R at some point, you know, uh, created this drink. But yeah. Great. So I'm not going to read the rest of my Wikipedia notes because it's boring. <laughs> um, the one, oh, there's one other thing I say. Oh, there's also the skinny margarita, which one of the Real Housewives invented, mm. which is just like no sugar, so great. I've had it before; it's fine. It's not as good as this. Well, but... there's not really there's not really a lot of sugar. Well, that's what I like about the one that you made. The traditional one is it's not as much sugar. Yeah, which is what I, I the number one thing I don't like about the kind of chain restaurants margarita is it's. It's a dessert mm-hmm. in a glass. It's too sugary. I'm not a big fan of sugary drinks. They, I don't want to get the beatus. I'm trying to live my best healthy life. I'll so. say to you in terms of cocktails uh, as a vehicle for different spirits, I'll say that um, the tequila, excuse me, the, uh, te- well, tequila has never been a spirit that I'm like, woohoo, tequila. No, it not, is never, never. I think this. there's definitely a comedian who's talked about this a lot but for me that was always the last invitee to the party and it never ended well well. there's a reason why the one tequila two tequila (laughs) three tequila floor right but when when uh having a margarita has act or having margaritas uh the last few years uh maybe my tastes are changing but i am starting to enjoy it more uh when it's a margarita like i I can i can appreciate different tequila types like we could have done this episode on Cinco de Mayo, but we didn't because you know it's we want to talk about it now and it's yeah. the present is now and times the constructs. I mean, just, we could just fine. do another episode of the Margarita on the on May fifth, and I don't know that we'll be persecuted for that. I don't right? know if there'll be a May <laughs> the, the way the world's going. So let's we might be let's do it right yeah, now. We might be drinking those from our bunker. Just just kidding. We don't have a bunker, but I have been watching uh, Doomsday Preppers, and that shit is crazy. Okay, and on that note, let's go down to our bunker and take a little break. So Forbes came out with their top 20 most dangerous places to be gay in the world during 2019. So I'm just going to quickly read these um, from least dangerous to most dangerous. Okay. So we have Egypt, Ethiopia, Jamaica, Maldives, Kenya, West Bank and Gaza, Pakistan, Uganda, St. Lucia, Zambia, Malawi, Malaysia, Barbados, Sudan, Iran, Tanzania, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Qatar, and Nigeria. So why do we bring this up? (laughs) Because traveling when you're LGBT provides its own set of dilemmas if you want to travel anywhere internationally. Its own layer of sometimes super dangerous uh, complication. Right, because unlike heterosexuals, 
there are many places in the world, such as I just listed, where not only is it culturally not accepted, it is outright illegal and just very dangerous. So that those 20 countries, I don't, I don't think they even represent the entire, they definitely, you know, the entire world. Oh, But they yeah. are definitely the, the 20 worst. So why right. we bring this up is um, we're recently trying to plan our own vacation. Yep. And... We, we settled on a cruise this year. We've only been on one cruise in our life. That cruise was the Disney, Disney cruise. cruise. Yes. And it was Disney. amazing. It was amazing. Um, it only it made three stops, two to the same island because of weather. <laughs> and one of them was Disney's private island. So it was fine. Yeah. Because it's not a real country. Absolutely. It's a corporate owned island, which is great. And there was and, Mickey, and there was Donald, and there and they were was, very accepting. There was and, Spider-Man. Uh, I don't remember Spider-Man, so uh, maybe you were having some fun times that I wasn't aware of. <laughs> <laughs> but, and the other place we went was San Juan, Puerto Rico, which yes. is a territory of the United States, So, and also is very gay-friendly. When you're traveling to the Caribbean, though, there are so many places that are not gay friendly right and to to your point on a lot of the places that you uh, outlined in the 20 most dangerous places to be lgbtq a lot of those on the list uh represent where if you are gay they'll kill you right uh like you will be executed that i I mean it definitely varies there are laws on the books especially in africa and the middle east where it is part of the law where yeah you can be sentenced to death i was just reading that there was a case a year ago and i believe it was india where a man accidentally touched another man's hip in public his hand brushed against another man's hip and he got thrown in jail and it was i think the it wasn't until the embassy intervened and then the finally the president and whatever just kind of pardoned it and thank god but that's how yeah. sensitive some of these countries are. Um, so about a month ago, we had found an itinerary on a celebrity cruise, right. which Celebrity Cruise is the number one most LGBT-friendly cruise line um, in the world, um, according to all the, Forbes and a number of other... The travel sites yeah. have, I think, Glad awarded it the best cruise line. Right, right. However, this itinerary... It stopped at two of those places on the list. Yes. I didn't even realize that those places were on the list till I looked at this list. Because uh, this is the main takeaway tip that we want to give everyone out there, especially if you're making your first uh, vacation trips, like younger folks, uh, maybe your, your honeymoon, you just got married or whatever. Um, you need to research these things. When you're LGBTQ, mm-hmm. you have to research these things island by island. Right. So our old itinerary that we were going to go on, it actually was going to go to St. Lucia and Barbados. And we didn't know that those were on the top 20 until I Googled the top 20. So and for both no of those way places, are we going for, now for, for a lot of reasons. But right. Go on. Well, we're not going to go on that cruise. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about the, uh, the other options and the, the tips that we have uh, in just a moment. But I, I would say uh, something that is shocking to my heterosexual friends and family um, are that they don't have to think. Well, that's right. That's going to bring up. We've brought this up to many people. And every time I'm talking to a heterosexual person, a lot of the response is, oh, my God, I had no idea. I had no idea. I never thought of that. I never thought of that. I was like, well, of course you never thought of that. And I don't use this phrase lightly, but that is the, the straight privilege, the hetero privilege, is that you can go to these places that are very traditional tropical vacation spots like Jamaica, Barbados, and just get off the boat hand in hand with your spouse and... I mean, they're they're crime ridden. They're none of them are great, but you you're <laughs> it's, not it's you're not, not gonna, Hawaii, no matter what you're not you gonna, do. But, I yeah. mean, some of them have a lot of crime issues, but yeah, but, but they're not going to get bashed based on who they're holding hands with down the street. Um, so it also becomes kind of a a moral ethical issue too, because in a lot of these places, like we could go, and as long as we just didn't tell anyone that we were gay, like we would probably be right because because and there are different you know but this is always uh, something that came up when i was a kid um you know people were uh, sissy or they um uh they 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 didn't pass you know so to speak in terms of uh being on the lgbtq uh spectrum uh and matt and i you know like 
we mostly would pass probably in in a lot of these countries. Then why would we put ourselves in a position where we would have to try when we're and spending so much money, yeah. so many thousands of dollars? That's and, the big point. And also, and also, vote I mean, with your dollars. Vote with your dollars, and also, you and I are not rich people because of work, but we can afford to do these kinds of trips once per year. So that once per year, why would we even spend a dollar in a place where we could either be arrested or, best case, just treated very harshly? And this also goes back to the to this this myth. And to be honest, it's only in my brain right now because I saw it on a friend's Facebook post today uh, in regard to all the things with I- Iran. And I don't even know how they segued this item with what's going on in that country right now. Anyway, it made no sense to me whatsoever that they would do this. But they were like, stop treating uh, Iran like they're they're good. Look what they do to homosexuals. You know, and they, again, not a great place to be gay. Uh, they throw people off of roofs. They do terrible things. Not to get too too dark here. Um, but, uh, but anyway, somebody commented, one of her trash friends commented and said something along the lines of, no, that's real persecution. And what that person was speaking to was the myth that that U.S.-based or, or anywhere really where there is gay marriage, where there are gay protections in place, um, this myth that we don't need those protections or, or GLBT, LGBTQ folks don't need those protections because they're not actually persecuted against. And literally, we could title this podcast, Here's Some Examples. <laughs> I mean, like, we don't just deal with this on vacation um, you know, we have to think about these things every day, even in the U.S. But here is a really stark example of, like, what can happen to one of us, what can happen to us if we just don't think it through enough, if we don't do the extra, Matt and I spent two weeks of extra research on this vacation, because when we did, when we deep-dived it a little bit, even even though some claim these laws on, in some of these islands aren't, aren't enforced, you walk off the boat, and all of a sudden, holding hands with your husband becomes potentially a 10-year imprisonment. Right. And then you read some of them, like, it's on the books, but they don't enforce it. Or it's legal, but they don't talk. I mean, there's so many gray areas. And, you know, so... And anything and every, that can selectively, quote-unquote, be enforced can be enforced. Can be enforced. That's the and, problem. And I did go to the Department of State's website about this and they you know they tell you that when you're on that island you are subject to their laws even though you're an american citizen they leave they can you know the, the u.s will intervene if they want to but that's not a promise that you know that the embassy is going to or that anyone you know from the usa is going to come help you it right. if you had the money to hire the lawyer within the united states and probably it's 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 very it's different levels of privilege. Or if you're on that Disney boat and can be rescued by Avengers, sorry, just making it light. I uh, yeah, but it, you're 100 percent right. This it, I, so, it's ridiculous. So, so the main takeaway is, especially, is you just have to be very careful, and you have to do so much extra research. And there are places you can visit. Absolutely, there are. And what and, um what cruise? Um, so Matt did exhaustive research on I this. Did. We did it together. Uh, we did it together. Ha. Huh? Um, sorry. Um. Anywho, uh, the cruise that we did find or that Matt uh, found. So I did. There is a lot of lists of the top 10 most LGBT friendly cruise lines. And honestly, all the big ones are on there. So it actually is not that hard to find Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, Holland America, Disney, Asmura, Cunard, like all the big ones. They are all like, I mean, there's not a lot of all the cruises like, themselves are LGBT friendly, mm-hmm. but you want to aim for those islands specifically exactly. that have either uh, that are either uh, you know an American territory like uh, Puerto Rico. Yes, there's um, or there's the U.S. Virgin Islands. U.S. Virgin the Islands. The greatest Virgin Islands are even though culture it's such gray areas because a lot of them as I feel like the main thing as long as le- you had that legal protection from the island legal's everything then because that's let's, kind let's, of the best you can ask for I mean let's face it culturally there's places it isn't safe for us to be in the south there's places or, we can't even really be in in New Ohio, York in New York, York and here yeah. it's it's every like we have, we have to be yeah. everywhere but um, but but when the state itself discriminates against you that that's a no-go that's but I feel like for what we learned the when especially traveling in the Caribbean, because that's what we've been researching, 
kind of the best you can hope for is that some that you know same-sex relations are not illegal even though culturally it might be taboo as long as it's legally on the books they can't then at least that's my threshold i feel like every person might have their own different uh litmus test of what makes them feel safe and you should always go with what makes you feel safe it's your money it's your time it's your peace of mind but I think our litmus test was as long as legally this country can't persecute me just for being myself, then for being gay, I'm for, fine being there six hours. For, <laughs> and, yeah, no, mm-hmm. no buggery laws on the books. Yeah. Uh, it's okay to be gay. Hold hands because again, you know, you is that where that term comes? That slang? Like he's a bu- he's a bugger. Uh-huh. Like, it's I didn't know until this week that, that was a legal. I term. only I thought that was just trashy so, British slang. Fun fact, Matt and I tried to do this cruise thing before and we're so horrified by some of the things we encountered in terms of uh the research that we were like maybe we just go to Hawaii. And can I stress for our audience enough, we love Hawaii and if you feel like the 10-hour flight, you're I don't believe personally, I'm hoping to be proven wrong that a Caribbean island is going to come close to Hawaii, but I'm I'm hoping to be proven wrong. Because we don't always want to take a 10-hour flight uh, from New York. So yeah. Hawaii's great. If you can get there and you can afford it, you should go. It's it's amazing. Uh, and to that end, we should definitely, yeah. So we, we hope, hopefully have covered a lot of this, shouting out the islands that are good to go to um, in the Caribbean. Uh, basically, I, anything Dutch, French, or American uh, I mean, I territory. Think, I think the, yeah. the best that I researched was which we're not going to this year, but maybe in the future, is the ABCs, which are the Dutch-owned islands. There's a chain. It's Aruba, Bonaire, and Curaçao. They're all owned by the Netherlands, and I guess Curaçao is extremely gay-friendly. They hold a week-long pride, which Mm. is, I think, a big deal for Caribbean. Um, One of the territories actually has Carnival, too, right? Uh, That Sure. Oh, okay. (laughs) Don't put me Uh, on the spot. I don't know. I'm not an an expert. I'm going to have a quiz next time. Be like, which gay-friendly island has this party? That sounds like a boring quiz. I would probably fail that one. Um, (laughs) Where it's going. So, So just do your research. Do your due diligence. Be safe. Have fun. The other thing about a cruise, and this is not about the islands, I think that does pertain to being LGBT is specific to a cruise itinerary is that for the most part on these cruises when you have dinner you are assigned seating with strangers and on most cruises it's the same strangers every Every night night. which when we booked our last cruise i kind of forgot that was a thing like i kind of knew they did that but i just like wasn't thinking and it was a huge shock to me on that first night when we got seated because we went on the first day, we got seated for lunch, and lunch was free seating wherever. So we sat by ourselves. So I was like, oh, oh, okay, this is just how it is. But I forgot that the whole kind of dinner culture, and we sat down, and it was two other heterosexual uh, couples. Mm-hmm. And I don't know these people. I don't know where they're from. So much fucking trash goes to Disney. I don't know how Trumpy <laughs> they are. I don't know how backwards. I don't know how, like, anyway. That being said. Anyone. But no, we were extremely lucky. The People we sat with were great, were friendly, were lovely. One of them looked a little, like, Trumpy, but it turns out that the woman had a lesbian mom and was super... They were all great. They were all, all super, super were liberal. All, they were great. But even if they were a little conservative, they were still liberal, uh, socially they leaning. Great. They were great to us. They were very pro-gay. They, we had a great time with them. We were very lucky. But that is another... It's another thing about being gay in general Especially when you're meeting someone from you know Midwest, South. I mean, these things are stereotypes because they're true. Not everyone is right. accepting. So you sit down. And it's kind of like it's like a blind date. It is because oh you're because on a cruise you're gonna have to spend at least an hour every night with these people unless you want to be freaking hungry. Which and I it's don't a cruise, so some of them are gonna be drunk. Yeah, and I want to eat. I don't. Wanna, <laughs> I want to eat the good restaurant. I'm not gonna go get takeout from the shitty pizza thing by the kids pool where well you paid for it in. i mean you, i yeah. paid for it so that, that it is another that is a weird thing where you're just thrown into and you're you're basically supposed to be friends with these people for a week so it is it's a very weird blind date situation it worked out great i could i could see it working out terribly though they you just get the wrong couple and then so for a week you're meant to sit with these 
crappy people. But that being said, in my experience, when you're spending money to enjoy yourself, uh, there's not any. There's a, not a lot that that money can't also fix. So if you, I would say to Matt's advice, hundred percent agree. Uh, you want to be open to your cruise mates and 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 try to let down those walls and see if anything flourishes. Um, but I will say if, uh, if you run into somebody who's bad news for your vacation, bring that up to the cruise director or yeah, administrative no. staff. And you I, will and I assume, get redress. I assume that... Did I 90, use the word redress? Sure, and I think you did it right. Okay, we'll just say it. I, I assume <laughs> that 95% of people who are on those cruises are probably great and open-minded yeah. and just want to have a good time and don't want to put anyone down. But there's shitty people everywhere on every... And, it's it's a fact of life, and and, it's and a- to that end, I mean, we really just wanted to share this experience with you guys. I mean, uh, we we do a fair amount of travel. Uh, at least once a year, we take a big trip like this, and we we and learn something our, new yeah. in in every one of them. So, and again, going back to the point, like I think like most middle class Americans, like we're lucky that we can take one trip a year, and but you vote with your dollars right. in every sense of the word. So when you travel, you're endorsing wherever you go and everyone i've read a lot of reviews from gay people they go to these islands that have these rules these anti-gay rules and they're fine they just like you know we just go on the excursion we go shopping we don't make a big fuss and we're fine and we're happy and i guess good for you and i think everyone has to again do what makes them happy and if you are fine going to some place very homophobic like jamaica and you feel safe and that's where you want well if that's what you want to do then great just be safe i don't judge any gay people who who gets off the boat in jamaica that's but for me for my personal litmus test i i just i wouldn't do that for a lot of reasons i mean you're paying so i'm not you're paying for peace of mind at the end of the day you know And 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 honestly that's something i'm willing to spend more on absolutely um and then the other thing is don't ever forget the power of uh, the community's unity and uh, the might of not just our combined forces together as as a group, but also the combined dollar. Uh, you know, in in terms of gay tourism, uh, we we sort of lead the pack in travel like this, not just on cruises, but really across the spectrum. Uh, we vacation at a much higher rate than folks with less disposable income and families and all that jazz. Um, you know, so. Uh, yeah, you vote with your dollar. Um, also, the other thing I would I would uh, leave out here in terms of uh, the Caribbean or anywhere you travel, really, it, you know, is be safe. Like Matt said, uh, know know the vibe around you. But all of this, the more research you do up front, the better a time you're going to have in in all of these cases. Uh, because even Hawaii, which Matt and I like, Maui, will talk about endlessly being our favorite place on earth has a lot of crime um you know so you have to know where you can go where you can't go uh you know where things are going to get stolen from your car and you know so just do the do the do the legwork in advance and you're gonna have a good time or fuck it and go to dollywood Okay, John, I think <laughs> it's back. time to talk about the best sitcom of all time. <laughs> the Golden Girls. Perfect Stranger. No, of course, The Golden <laughs> Girls. Yes, we waited five episodes. We, we, we've been chomping at the bit. To, yeah, we didn't, we didn't want to right off the bat. We needed something to look forward to. We, we wanted to make sure that we had rehearsed a few shows. <laughs> we didn't want to do the GGs any disservice. So yeah, we so, wanted to catch the we wanted to catch this show at the height of its popularity. That yeah, I know you're being sarcastic. <laughs> you're making a Family Guy re- reference, but to skip ahead, the Golden Girls has never been more popular. Right? Argue. Yeah, they, they've kind of had a renaissance in the past few ye- few years. It's all the kids that were our age or even younger kind of rediscovered it through all the reruns on Lifetime and Hallmark, and and now kind of and I think it goes along with kind of Betty White's resurgence in popularity oh, in the yeah. past 10 years. You know, you have Golden Girls action figures, figurines. I'm still waiting on the video game, though. That's I, I think that that would be epic. There's so much Golden Girls merchandise. <laughs> There's, we'll, we'll get into that, but uh, let, let's start from the beginning. 
right? But so, so we, I guess we. This have, is our fanboy corner, right? We are both fans of the Golden Girls. One of us more than <laughs> others. Uh, yeah, I, I love the show. For I've our viewing always... audience, I feel like we have to start this with uh, what I normally ask our individual guests who join us. But why don't why don't we share with the audience uh, which of the Golden Girls we are? Okay. Yeah, we'll just. <laughs> Get right to it. Um, I I'm trying to think of a cute answer, but it's really Dorothy. It's Dorothy Swarnak, of of course, of course. I mean, we're both. I was an English teacher. We're both wry and sarcastic and witty, and if I do say so myself, but yeah. So Dorothy, I'm a Dorothy with a bit of a Sophia rising. As I've as I've matured, I definitely am finding myself more and more Sophia Petrillo. So that's how I identify. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, for me, um, if you ask anyone in our circle, they're going to go ahead and call me the rose of the group. But I like to think I'm more of a, a rose on the streets and a blanche in the sheets. Okay. Yeah, no, usually it's the other way around. Usually it's Dorothy on the streets and plants. Yeah, I, I could see that. You're kind of you're kind of the blanche, but way less promiscuous, I guess. But yeah, like... <laughs> and, and super nice. So, yeah. Blanche is nice. She... Oh, Yes. Of course. I, I was saying that... She's I, nice to all the men that she goes out with. She's real nice to her man. And to her all of her, everyone at the Rusty Anchor. <laughs> all of her gentlemen callers. Um, so let's start from the beginning. Yes. As we do with these things. Um, we're not going to bore you with all the history of the Golden Girls. You all know this. We do not have to read your Wikipedia page. Um, so... What is your history with the Golden Girls prior to meeting me? Was there any? Was that a show that was on? Did you ever pay yes. attention to it? So, um, so for those who may not know, uh, the show started in 1987. I want to say 85. Good. Thanks for the thanks for that. So 1985. Uh, it was running, I believe, at around the same time that Roseanne was. Roseanne, yeah, yeah. Roseanne started maybe. A couple years later, but for the most part, they were concurrent. And I think for... some of their reruns um, definitely happened yeah, at totally. around the same time. They were time. definitely Roseanne reruns and Golden Girls, like on, like back to back. So probably. my mom definitely had that stuff on loop. Like we, we grew up on Roseanne and on the Golden Girls, and we didn't get. I'm for... sorry, we call it the John Goodman show now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, the, Con the, the Connors, uh, yeah. as they were then. <laughs> um, but we, we watched the the Golden Girls. It was always on the TV. Um, we watched it, and it's one of those shows that uniquely... Um, it's one of those shows like The Simpsons to me that you can always watch the reruns and be just as entertained uh, because the, the writing's just phenomenal. And I, I'll say that as a uh, goodness, a five or six-year-old boy uh, watching this show for the first time, um, I did not get any or a lot of the jokes, but it was colorful. <laughs> the show was colorful and the outfits, I remember. I, I wasn't gay or anything, but um, the fashion uh, of the show was incredible. Uh, Dorothy always had those flowing outfits. And those really triangular shoulder pads. <laughs> shoulder pads. All the women in the 80s had to look like running backs for some reason. I <laughs> so I, I loved the, the show. I thought Sophia was hilarious. Um, and, and that was as far as it went. And then when I met you, uh, you were always a fan. You were a super fan. And you can't, when somebody's that infectious about a fandom that they follow, um, Matt and I are both famous for this uh, across different fandoms, but you were so into it that it really made me uh, more of a... So it's kind of like Stockholm Syndrome. Yes. <laughs> I've held you in a mental prison. <laughs> It's like it's like it's like this and uh, labyrinth uh, can just be on on loop at our our place because uh, we yeah we, we like that trip we like that movie too so um, so my background was I remember this show it was kind of just one of those shows that was on in the eighties that the grownups watched I remember from very little age I remember it was Golden Girls and maybe like Night Court and oh, Cheers yeah. they were just kind of on like there's. Even in the 80s, it was, in most of the 90s, it was, it was the big network shows mm -hmm. that everyone watched. I remember, my first memory is being very young, probably like four or five, and seeing Sophia, and I didn't understand sarcasm at that point, or kind of double entendres or anything, and I, she was being so nasty with the other girls, <laughs> I literally thought that the plot of the show is that these three women live with this old witch, <laughs> and they have to find a different way to like kill her, but they never do. 
because Dorothy would always make these like shady pines, ma, shady <laughs> one these, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I remember being very young and thinking like that's the plot of the show. There's a mean old lady and she's being mean to the other, and they all have to like get rid of her. Throw mama off the train, kind of, so yeah. And then as I got older, it was just again one of those shows that was always on reruns. And I remember my grandma loved the Golden Girls, and she always had it on during the middle of the day because they showed the reruns from like four to five. So I remember watching it with her, and I actually remember having a conversation with her of like the Golden Girls is getting canceled. What are they going to do? And Grandma was like, "No, it's going to come back. They're going to call it the Golden Hotel. It, it was called the Golden, <laughs> Golden Palace. Palace. Yeah, yeah. But, and we all know how that turned out." Um, and then I don't think I've ever told you this story and I don't think I've ever told anyone, but I'm making a confession oh my. on the podcast because, because I don't go to therapy I anymore. So I don't, I, I don't know something about you. Okay. This I'm, is, I'm down. So I remember when we first got the internet, this sounds like it's going to be a skeevy story, but it's very G rated. Right. I remember I somehow found Rue McClanahan's official site which was a GeoCity site. Oh my! Do you remember like GeoCities and what you was mean, the other like, one? Like, isn't that the? Isn't that what you used to like find when you were using the old Internet Explorer? And if you, uh, it was just chock full of viruses, as I recall. Probably or, yeah. it was like GeoCities, Angel Fire. But she had her official site, which was like a pretty poorly designed site. <laughs> and there was an option. It was like send Rue a fan letter. So I'm like, I'm going to send Rue a fan letter. So I wrote. A fan letter to Rue McClanahan, but I'm pretty sure it bounced back. Oh, I mean, it was fucking GeoCity. She yeah. was not paying any money for that site. <laughs> and I think her grandson probably came home from school and made her a site, and then she forgot about it. I don't know. But I remember, like, that was my first fan. Probably, my f- I never wrote a fan letter what, since. What age was this? 15? 15, okay. 16. Nice. Yeah. It... And then, as I got older, I just got into the reruns. And then... I just never stopped watching the rerun. So it really wasn't until my and 20s. And during the time of the DVDs, somebody kept purchasing uh, seasons for you as um, anniversary gifts. Well, you got me season one, okay. and then I kind of bought, bought the rest all. on my own. <laughs> and now it's all on Hulu. So. It's all on Hulu, yeah. So, yeah, so any, anyone who's in the market for some DVDs, we... I'm not selling them. What are you feeling? <laughs> no. Aren't the, isn't the package for the DVDs in the shape of Sophia's purse? If you buy them online, you can buy a full set that comes in a little wicker purse. That's amazing. Um, another reason why this show fits into this podcast is because Golden Girls has a very, very strong gay following. Oh, yeah. And so it brings up the question, like, what makes this show so queer or so queer friendly? And I think there is a lot of things you could say about the show. I think the first one is there are so many episodes that dealt with gay themes at oh, a yeah. time when not a lot of shows were talking about them. To make a main character's brother, uh, to make a main character's sibling gay, uh, let alone a, a brother, um, you know, during that and time. Twice. And, and twice. Yeah, two, and in two both featured episodes, episodes. Blanche has to come to terms with it. Like, she has a very negative reaction both times and you could kind of watch her watch process her go, this watch and her go on the on the journey that america in many ways was going through itself during and that they time had the episode where rose thinks she might have aids and at a time when still aids was not being spoken about a lot and dealt with the the um homelessness in aging you know aging and homelessness crisis uh homelessness in general um the the themes of uh, growing old and being alone um, you know, they, they really, um, so yeah. So going yeah. back to the queer part of those, I think what also kind of makes the show iconic in a queer way is that you have these four women, they're all single and they're all living together and they are each other's family. Right. So it's this whole issue of chosen family, which I think a lot of gay people can relate to because in a lot of instances, um, you know, queer people gay people are estranged from their families and their friends their community becomes their chosen family and so many of the episodes are about chosen family i think the writers really knew who they're writing for and it's not these themes weren't subtle they are very unnoticed like in the very end of the show where rose has a heart attack and they all go to visit her in the hospital, and the doctors won't let them see Rose. Oh, that's and they're like, big, "You're not that's family." A big episode, and they actually say, "No, we yes, are we family." Are. And they're like, yeah. "No, you're not." And and they were getting very frustrated, and they were saying, "We are each other's family. We let like, why can't 
And that ties so closely totally. to all and the I, folks who couldn't visit uh, husbands or partners in the, po- in the in the hospital because uh, because hospitals at the time didn't consider a same sex uh, relationship to be recognized. And yeah, uh, so there's a lot of parallels. And I think the writers they they knew what they were doing. I mean, that wasn't by accident. Not at all. And I think it actually goes to something that you talk about a lot in your own comedy uh, and in your in your writing that you, you've talked to me about, um, which is just that they were able to, to express all of these different uh, hot topics, so to speak, of the time and to break all this new ground um, because the show was so damn funny. I, I mean, oh, yeah. It, it was like so well written. And ca- I d- couched in, in that in that writing, in that humor, it, it's almost like it teach you know, it in its way you absorb these hard to swallow lessons from the, the from the work because they're also making you smile and laugh throughout the whole Yeah, process. no, I was just thinking about that this morning. I said the show is very timeless. There's a lot of shows from that era that did not age well. I mean, really, no one's talking about designing women or night court or 30-something, or just, like, random shows that were popular in the 80s. Even things like Cheers or Frasier aren't really holding up that well. I mean, like, people are huge fans. It's, it's, there's a small niche of sitcoms. I really think it's, like, Golden Girls, it's Friends, it's Seinfeld, it's the Brady Bunch, it's I Love Lucy's. Like, it's very small numbers of sitcoms that really just never went away. And I think it's the reruns. You know, that's kind of how, what happened with the Brady Bunch, is that Brady Bunch was very low-rated in its initial run, and then it was rerun so much that people rediscovered it mm-hmm. that people forget that this was not a hit show. The Golden Girls was always a hit, right. but it's always been in reruns. And there's new generations discovering this and making these connections. And the, the show is so well written that even though once in a while, I mean, they're going to throw in 80s references that are weird, but they, it really holds up. I think the emotionality of the work you know, how it's character-driven, how it's just funny, and it's portrayed by four amazing Super comedic talented actresses, actresses yeah. that it holds up, and it makes it so rewatchable. And speaking about the community, one of the reasons why we got into podcasting is when I started listening to podcasts, one of the very first podcasts that I listened to after binging Serial were Golden Girls podcasts. And I just want to give a shout-out to them. <laughs> I want to give a shout-out to Out on the Lanai, uh, love it. Which is, I think, probably the best of the best. I love that show. They did a complete run. They are all done. They don't really don't post anymore. I uh, also what else was really funny is thank you for being a podcast again. Did every single episode. Very good. Yeah. And there is one currently that is also a fellow anchor podcast called The Golden Squirrels. It's still oh, in season one. I don't think I've uh, I seen that one yet. Or uh, no, listened to that that's one yet. how I found out about Anchor. Okay. Because they plug Anchor and they are very funny and very talented, and I'm enjoying that. Um, also, want to give a shout out to the Facebook group. Uh, you're cuter than an interuterine, a Golden Girls meme page, which is a hilarious Golden Girls community, <laughs> which I interact with a lot. And So this just, just goes to show you that a, a show that ended in, uh, what is it, 92? It had a seven-year run, yeah, right? Yeah. A show that ended in 92 is still uh, seeing all of this new media come out and, and on platforms that they wouldn't have even imagined were possible back when, yeah. they, back when it aired. And I think uh, it's really is like and, yeah. the internet and it has really made the show popular again because now people are talking about it and re- discovering it in different ways and i was and i i mean i reignited my love for the show through the podcast like because podcasting is a great way to connect even though you're not talking to someone else you're listening you kind of feel like you're listening to your friends talk about a show and when i listen to these podcasts at the gym or on the train or traveling or just walking doing errands it's it's very comforting because you feel like you're talking with your friends about what about you like. About this show, right. And so there really is like this awesome Golden Girls community out there, which maybe we're in. I don't know. We're, we're, we're kind of like... <laughs> Are we? Yeah. We're, that, we're trying. We're, we're, we're doing our yeah, we're, 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 we're We're a part of the, part of the action. Um, so if you want to indulge in Golden Girls fandom, all of those podcasts are amazing. I'm going to link to all of them yeah. on our Facebook and Twitter because I think they deserve followers all the and love. love. Um, and that brings us to our game. Oh, we have a game. I was going to do a trivia, but 
That would be so boring. I memorized the IMDb page for nothing. And everyone knows all the trivia. Everyone knows that originally (laughs) Betty White was supposed to be Blanche and Rue McClanahan was supposed to be Rose and they switched parts. Everyone knows that B. Arthur hated cheesecake. Like, these are not... But did you know that Sophia was one year... Uh, yes, we all twel- know that uh, she was younger. Twelve days. She was younger than and- Bianca. <laughs> oh my God! What but else? it's numerology. Really, oh, it's okay. is the sky blue? <laughs> yes, we all know that she was younger than B. Arthur. And there's also, if you want to hear some dish about that, I'm not going to retell these stories because I don't want to get sued by any estates. <laughs> but if you want some great backstage dish, listen to, especially out on the lanai, they have some. They interview some people who worked on the show, and they spilled the tea. Uh, it's, yes, it's they delicious. Spill, it's mostly involves B. Arthur. Mostly, <laughs> mostly, mostly, it's actually they're all B. Arthur B. stories. Arthur. Seems like everyone else was on their best behavior, and B. Arthur was just God lover. But the, B. Arthur. the coffee, the coffee cup story yep. is definitely, or the two a.m. phone calls yep. are definitely my yep. favorite. I'm not going to repeat it, but <laughs> R.I.P. B. Arthur, you are a treasure. Iconic. Okay, so we're running out of time because there's so much to talk about the Golden Girls. But here's my very short game. So in this game, um, I want to see if we can recast the Golden Girls only using contestants from RuPaul's Drag Race. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's going to have to be from seasons one through seven because we are bad gays and very, very behind. And we're only up to season seven. But we are slowly getting our gay card back. We're on season seven, so that's why we don't mention any contestants past that. So I'll go first Okay. So to give you some time to think. I'll tell you which one I picked for each one and then if you want to chime in you can i know it's putting you on the spot sure um so for rose i cast jujubee okay for rose i cast porkchop <laughs> okay okay good <laughs> safe choice but <laughs> okay <laughs> for blanche guess who i cast for blanche alaska thunderfuck oh no 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 she's b okay okay uh wait who did you cast um let's see think think who's been on drag race more oh, than what shangela yes <laughs> so shangela yes, i would cast shangela yes. too all right all right okay uh dorothy mm, i kind of went with a save i said bianca del rio okay i would definitely go with alaska on that okay but for the last one i have to give I, there's just one drag queen who i love uh, Pretty much above them all. I didn't even know if, uh, if she fits, but um, uh, who's the one I love from? You know who I'm talking about. Who I got Miss Congeniality? Who? Uh, Latrice Royale. I love Latrice Royale. Uh, Sophia? <laughs> that would be hilarious. A very large, yeah. I have Sophia be played by a large African American athlete. <laughs> Do it. Picture it. Yeah. No, that's so much better. It's so much better than my choice. So I said Jinx Monsoon. That's another very Oh, safe... I, Jinx Monsoon would be perfect. That's pretty on the nose, but yours is better. And I didn't forget about Alaska Thunderfuck. Okay. You think I forgot about Alaska? Did you make her Frida Claxton? Uh, yeah, I totally made her Frida Claxton. So Alaska Thunderfuck is on uh, out on the lanai as a guest co-host a lot. And apparently one of her characters she does in her cabaret is Frida Claxton. <laughs> she does, I, I think it was doing like one woman shows as Frida Claxton. So of course I have Alaska Thunderfuck on there because she is incredible. And Amazing. that is it. Any final thoughts on the Golden Girls? Uh, just that, yeah, this, uh, this show for me, um, yeah, this show for me is uh, what uh, is an example of why art transcends. Uh, sometimes when great actors and great uh, actresses and great writers uh, come together with a concept and and just put their heart into it and put the light out into the world, it continues to shine, shine, shine. Oh, and before I wrap up, I have to say happy 98, 98 birthday wow. to Betty White. 98. And still going strong. We love you, Betty. Betty, Betty you're, love a, you. you're a dream guest. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever get her on the podcast, but we we can we remote can you in from LA. We it, could. It's... I'm gonna put it on my dream board. <laughs> We're gonna put that out of the universe. Okay. So that's been our show. Thank you for tuning in. If you have enjoyed this podcast, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever else you may happen to get your podcast. <laughs> 
please drop us a note at spirits and chat podcast at gmail. You can also follow us online at spirits and chat on Facebook and Twitter. If you've enjoyed the show, please, please, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. A five-star rating really helps with our visibility on that platform. Absolutely. And feel free to subscribe. Yeah, like and subscribe. I'm Matt Pullman. And I'm Jonathan Emerson. And thank you, audience, for being a friend. Until (laughs) next time. Bye. Bye.